podcast. This is the slog, the podcast where we talk about movies that totally suck the life out of you. I am your host, Brandon Stables. Welcome. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> this is the polarized pod. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not too well. We're definitely still talking about a movie that could be described as a slog, but this is the Polarized Podcast. This is a podcast about polarizing <laughs> movies, polarizing movies in the sense of Rotten Tomato score. Sometimes critics love it and audiences hate it or vice versa. Today we're talking about the hashtag slog, the whiz. Uh, <laughs> yes, like I said, I am your host, Brandon, and this movie, uh, just to get the percentages and all of the stuff out of the way, is 41% critics, 65% audience. So not really too spicy on the audience, and I could probably understand why you got some. This is uh, 1978 classic starring the OL well, classic. It was probably... Uh, that but um this uh yeah stars diana ross in the first uh on-screen uh performance of that was that was yeah. sorry the timing wasn't good on that one continue we're, uh, we're working okay. it out we're working it out uh but yeah the on-screen uh first on-screen performance of michael jackson a young 20 year old buck uh but he's covered in a bunch of makeup so you can tell what age he is really so you know he's got that going for him um yeah, this is a movie, a musical, and we're going to get into it. Um, now I'd like to introduce my co-host. We also like to call him the forever guest, uh, my confidant in movies that are sluggish, uh, Mr. James Lindsay. How's it going? Yes, hello. I am James Lindsay. I am the, the co-host of Forever Guest. I'm back yet again. Um, Brandon just was getting up on down the road, and then he, uh, he picked me up along the way. Thought we would talk a little bit about... Uh... A movie. This is a movie. This is a podcast. Yes, it is. We talk yeah, about polarizing absolutely. movies. We and do. Not everyone and this, agrees on this one. No. Yeah. Um. But sometimes you and me agree on movies on at least how we feel about it, and sometimes we. Spoiler um, alert! Yeah. I feel like it's so, a lot. <laughs> but so, every you know, now and then we polarize ourselves. I think more. Uh, yeah, I, it's safe to say more often than not we. Um, agree with one side or the other um and then that's the that's the journey we go on is to uh get to which side do we typically agree with and do we agree together as hosts on movies that we talk about um so this movie the whiz james i had never seen this movie before definitely had heard about it for sure but had never seen it uh i will just uh, preface to the people that we have been um in this motown um universe uh because we previously had done um mahogany which is stars diana ross again also directed by barry gordy this movie is similar in that it stars diana ross this time it is not directed by barry gordy but produced by motown produced by him as adjacent yeah. to barry gordy as you could possibly be but his name is absolutely isn't anywhere to be seen i don't think he's credited anywhere but um no but motown's in- prominently featured as mm-hmm. like Definitely. as it being a production so mm-hmm. um yeah but you're right yeah <laughs> his name has been removed um you know probably well after mahogany if anybody hasn't listened to that episode i implore you to do so because that's a crazy fucking movie um and this is equally yeah. as nuts i found <laughs> I, even, I found out even, even more because we, we are doing a, another podcast with our good good pal Corey about uh music uh mm-hmm. producers and i was reading a little bit more of barry gordy's book and yeah, that was like a tumultuous time between him and Diana Ross and their relationship. And in 
how we described it seemed like like the the final nail in the coffin of their relationship so much so that they fought at the very end of it where they only had like a few things left to shoot for continuity and some transition scenes or whatever and they got in a huge fight and she like smacked him and left and said she was done and then he had to like get some someone else to like use her arms to pretend to be diana ross in some of the scenes um which i just if anyone had ne- never heard of mahogany or didn't listen to the episode last week is another uh movie by barry gordy who is the big big papa of motown himself and uh for him to jump into the world of movies that we thought it'd be fun to do a little uh crossover series of our own here and uh, mm-hmm. the whiz is something that I think everybody, I don't know. A lot of people have heard of. Most people have, know, have heard about I don't, it. I've never talked to anybody who'd seen it or got in, gotten into it. I've never seen it or seen of it. I feel like I, I don't, I don't see any merchandise or, or anything lasting uh. or, or, or I'd never saw it growing up on, on TV really. And it was just something that I, I heard of. Um, but here we are. And I see it in all in in everything. Like I I saw the movie, and it's uh, and it's a movie. It is a movie, uh, for sure. Well, it's a musical movie, so let's yeah. Yeah, we've done some musicals reason. on this podcast. It's been fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe this is this the one, but you know. Yeah, maybe not this one, but yeah, musicals um, have been, you know, previous to this podcast were kind of something that I was like, yeah, I I like these. But having now seen more of them, it's been really wonderful to kind of get to know some of these musicals that we've done and just and really appreciate uh, musicals as a genre of film. Um, This is not one I would recommend to people if they would like to get uh, excited about musicals. And yeah, I think we're kind of burying the lead, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else to say. Oh, something that I thought that was really interesting about this is that not only did this kind of kill my spirits watching it, but it also ended the blaxploitation era of films, which I thought was pretty interesting because this is like, uh, I would argue is like a poster child for black exploitation, where there was a period of filmmaking during the seventies where it would be like the black version of something. And, um, I just know, you know, doing research into that. Cause I've seen some black exploitation movies, um, you know, your shafts or whatever, but, um, it's so I just found a particular thing so interesting about it is, is that at first black exploitation was obviously used as a negative connotation by the black community because it was, uh, promoting like, um, not it was promoting terrible stereotypes but then it was co-opted by the black community within the same decade that they were making the movies because um people turned around and go like well yes these are so there's a lot of like uh racy like stuff in this in the sense of like violence and sex and whatever and some bad stereotypes but the thing is is that they uh featured uh black leads and you know it wasn't it, it was a shift of the black person being uh you know in the film being the the bad guy he was you know he or she was now being the star of this just like this being diana ross and this movie being the um you know it, it seems kind of a weird thing to say nowadays in 2023 and i'll just denote that but like yeah so like this is the black version of um uh, the Wizard of Oz, and I think you know that idea and concept. It, it made sense why this movie got made because uh, the Wizard of Oz is obviously a story that is a, you know a classic story. Uh, you know something that is um, 
I think obviously since there's so many remakes of it, um, you know, it's always kind of there sitting there and potentially, you know, uh, could be redone and um, to just kind of spark again some of the core tenets of what the story is about, because those are relatively timeless. And to then, you know, co-opt those timeless like uh, plot points of the story or themes of the of Wizard of Oz and then update it with, in this case, like, you know, we're talking about we're in, you know, uh, where, where are we? We're in New York, Queens. Um, and then, yeah, to have uh, Diana Ross be the, uh, the Dorothy character, I think all of it um, made sense on paper and what, everything and cool on idea. paper for this movie seems <laughs> yeah, like right. it's going to be a home run. And I was excited and looking forward to, <laughs> to seeing it as well. And I think it was something that was always in my mind that like, I should check that out. I mean, look at that cast of people and right. wizard of Oz is always something nice to revisit every now and then the, the magic of that movie and the lasting power of it all is, is something that still remains. Um, and there's still like, side things like uh wicked or or whatever and mm-hmm. I, I believe that's being made into a movie right now as well um yeah. with uh oh, what's her face um ariana grande i, I believe uh um, oh, okay yeah I, I feel like i heard that yeah yeah and that's and it's cool to expand on that universe you can use this structure in a very almost like odyssean way or like story of a hero in in terms of someone being uh, left taken from their home and put on this journey and, and, and having to come home with this newfound knowledge all can resonate within a lot of different forms. So there's, mm. there's just so many things going for this and so much, so much potential. Um, but to start off the bat, like the beginning of this movie and the end, I'll just say right, right away, the prologue and epilogue, some of like the most satisfying elements I, I feel like of, uh, of, wizard of oz in some ways is like the pre oz and and with you know obviously without the color that's the that's a huge thing but not only that but seeing the real life versions of all the characters she's about to encounter in her adventure and seeing the the parallels between them and Mm -hmm. the duality of it all is really fun and satisfying and it, it made me think of a movie that we we love to reference on this podcast like it's it's like imagining back to the future where they just immediately go you know back in time without anything yeah. of, of the 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 mastercraft of that movie and and for you know for uh leading thing leading things in um and and not giving it away right away uh but leading the path for you to follow and then having it satisfyingly pay off at the end in the third act and and yeah i just we we love back to the future but in this one it's the song around you know i the fam the family dinner is nice i like that as as an idea and um everyone gathered around and everything but i, I just a so simple thing is like having michael jackson be there too and and having uh you know like r- real life versions of of everyone there and having a little bit more of yeah of who she is in that in that moment um apart from just that one scene and then at the end she just goes back inside and that and that's it as well instead of like and you were there and and we don't need every not everything has to be exactly the same and i don't want to go down that path so early as well they didn't do this like the original wah, wah, wah. like it doesn't have to be exactly the same but that's just something narratively within the story um that would have 
I don't know, would just be an easy, obvious sort of thing to include as far as a beginning and an end. But that was that's, yeah. that's kind of the beginning, and then yeah, the, the I, transition kinda, transition getting into uh, the world is is kind of just like I don't know. It's it, it, the trippiness is kind of fun, but it's so it's so out of nowhere and not connected to anything in reality, like a tornado or something like that. It just cuts to like space, and she's got a tornado like in her hand, mm-hmm. and there's like the babies, the star babies. It's pretty trippy and <laughs> no there's a there's a lot of trippy stuff but yeah. um but just to backpedal a little bit i if it's okay with you i think it would be really helpful at least for me to just briefly talk about some of these plot points and then or mention like the plot that's happening and then we can talk about it because for me this was like a kind of a fugue state so it might be a little bit helpful i don't know if, if you're okay with that if i just oh that's fine i mean how we start the differences from the original is how kind of like how i'd like to think of it because that's just so familiar to me but yeah we can yeah 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 so the start of this movie is at a thanksgiving dinner table there's a family that is uh ha- yeah having thanksgiving th- dinner uh, a 24 year old elementary school teacher uh dorothy gales who's played by diana ross and lives with her aunt you and should, uncle you should teach middle school you should teach us i like the kids and they keep pressuring her to teach it's like whatever she likes elementary what's the big deal <laughs> i and i just right and I, I there was a lot of questions i had right off the bat because i just didn't understand like it, it just it, for me it i didn't understand people's motivations and what like her dorothy's problem is mm-hmm. because i feel like in the original it is so clear as to her frustrations her wanting to leave like all of these things of like you know trying to escape this little town in kansas mm-hmm. and then being transported into this fantastical area you know world where then she realizes how wonderful she has it and appreciative of all these things yada yada but like yeah she's extremely introverted um, uh, she's teased um and then the they're trying to hook her up with this like cousin of theirs or whatever and she's just a super weird about it and yeah so i just i don't know for me it, it just doesn't we, we don't start off on a good foot with this movie because i just don't know like okay so i guess it's she doesn't want to go like i don't know yeah why doesn't she want to become a middle school teacher but you know or at least she is a teacher and um yeah i don't understand so it's her getting the courage maybe is the setup of this of like needing to stand on her own two feet and that what we're getting trying to get solidified here but it just wasn't really effective for me i felt just very confused to the point yeah I just I my notes saying I'm like I'm not sure what's going on with Diana and what she's sad about. Why is she shy? <laughs> you know? So I just yeah from the get go I'm uh, yeah already like hmm, what's going on here? Like what is our problem? Uh, you know what is yeah um but i but i agree with you so then yes um dorothy cleans up after the meal her dog toto runs out uh the open kitchen door into a snowstorm she succeeds in retrieving him but finds her trapped in the storm and a magical whirlwind made of snow materializes and transports her to the realm of oz which is depicted by a dystopian version of new york city which yes so the trippy stuff i was into i really enjoyed um especially when she gets there um what happens and i'll mention the munchkin land and all that but yeah i uh it reminded me so much of uh xanadu <laughs> a little xanadu bit. and uh zardoz especially like the head uh, of, of the whiz and and everything like that reminded me of like 
and uh oh there was one sure. there was one big scene of like when they were i think after the scarecrow and it was a big building with like farmland and it just looked like a trippy watercolor painting that was kind of cool before she she actually gets transported which is just by this uh space glinda with a hand tornado and star babies and she crashes through a z sign uh for whiz um she does her their kind of which the music also is by quincy jones like everything on everything on on the page is like great um but this is this is the uh somewhere over the rainbow version of or like the parallel like the yeah the analog analog yeah just to give a little taste I just I feel like I'm saying this early on in the song it's not nothing wrong with it but there's nothing really going on with it that's great either (laughs) there's no hook in a lot of this stuff there's nothing like grabbing Sleepy. Though I never yeah, right. Song, it's relaxing. Very relaxing. Still catch like okay. Yeah, so I mean, that's a, actually a good point because we're supposed to be kicking off this movie in adventure and this is a total snooze fest. It's, it, it's, it's yeah. there's a lot of, lot of this where it's aimless. It's just kind of aimless, mm, floating around. Sure. And then even some of the more high octane energy stuff also feels like they're throwing everything at the wall and not yeah right boiling down the essence of the song in a way that's more clean and palatable. Mm. It's uh, that for the, for the like a movie coming from Motown, the audio mixing and and the songs are unfortunately not anything you can really hang your hat on yeah and then (laughs) then i was noticing i i listened to a little bit after i watched the movie i was like let me get a little taste of the the music just to remind myself and it was kind of better when i didn't have to look at the visuals (laughs) on some of it when i was like oh like it's i mean it's not great but when i was like having to look at the the crows and and that whole set of where the scarecrow michael jackson was i was like Mm -hmm. a is upsetting and just just uh not it's just boring to look at everything was just so boring and stripped down and no for a movie that's like notoriously known for color there the color is is kind of fucked in this movie especially like we're getting into munchkin land and the coloring in that is so fucking dark you can't even see what is going on and, yeah, and that was upsetting. It was blue and just dark, and I couldn't—I couldn't tell what was happening. I could barely hear or see. And so I think when I watched this movie, it was kind of like it wasn't too late at night, but it was at night. An hour in, I just had to like call it and go to sleep because it was just—I think it was depriving my senses from me. You said fugue state. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it's funny how the yeah that how it's effective in that right you know because mm-hmm. this is a fugue state for her um as she's yeah 
theoretically transported to like she's dreaming this whole time or something to that effect um but yeah so speaking of munchkin land so as dorothy descends from the atmosphere she uh smashes through the oz sign falls upon and kills evermean the wicked witch of the east oh, who it's an rules. oz sign okay that makes more sense i was like for whiz z with the z is an o with the z in the middle that's oz okay that makes sense i'm uh-huh. dumb, I'm dumb. So the Wicked Witch of the East who rules Munchkin land, as a result, she frees the Munchkins who populate the playground in which she lands. Dorothy soon meets the Munchkins. Yeah, got, they got benefactress. Turned, in, turned into tunes. They said, oh, the, the Wicked Witch of the East turned us into tunes on the wall. And I was like, whoa. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they just yeah, like pop like, out of the wall. We're no yeah, longer uh, like a Kip Herring or whatever that artist's name. But yeah, everybody kind of comes out of the wall mm-hmm. in these. Um, yeah, like murder chalk drawings in a big uh, like space that looks like it's just like an empty dark space that has like a slide in the middle or something like playground and then it's all this graffiti and everything uh and then there a lot of the sets in this movie are the the stadium and later on when we see the tin man the roller coaster and then whatever that courthouse set um but and and then the wicked witch warehouse all these like big imposing sets with like sometimes a lot of people sometimes no one and it feels very empty and wide shots and like interesting pacing and editing of of those shots as well but there's these like wide shots they hang on a lot and just have things kind of happen as if filming like a stage play on stage and there's just they haven't i don't know they didn't figure out with this one how to make a musical exciting on on a visual element and we we us watching enough musicals on this podcast too it's that's kind of been hit or miss as far as how people are successful in in bringing bringing that across um but yeah so they leave munchkin land then she she meets up with yeah scarecrow and uh oh the yeah, the benefactor was an interesting thing. I want to touch on that because I was I just was so curious as to what her business is. Cause I mean that's so she's like the voice of the munchkins, right? So she comes in. Is and, that Glenda, uh, the good the good witch? Is that when she comes in? No. Oh yes. Uh-huh. Miss One, the good witch of the north. Right. Yeah. Uh yeah. Are she's you a good witch or a bitch. Um, a magical numbers runner. Who gives who gives her the charmed silver slippers? Um, mm. You know what was so funny is I just she had a great outfit. I, like, I mean, her, yeah, she looked she looked great. It was very derelict. Uh, everyone around her, yes, but she was mm-hmm. she had a cute outfit. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how I felt. About never going to get old. Maybe for you, but not for us. <laughs> But yeah, I urges her to follow the yellow brick road to the uh, road to the Emerald City. The uh, yellow brick road, cool concept. Um, we saw it in the trailer for yeah. Uh, always uh, check us out. <laughs> check shot. us out on Twitch. But yeah, it's like a that it's shot, a really though, where it it's, like slowly it's, like pans up. Like they're like mm-hmm. looking down on the ground. They're like, wait a minute, there's a little, there's some yellow bricks. Oh, there's a little bit more. Oh, and then it's, it keeps panning up, and they're like, oh, oh my god, it's right there, and it's like. No, it was there in front of you the whole time. For us as the camera, yes, we had to like look up. But for you, you just had to open your eyes. It was right in front of you. <laughs> it's like, how did that just appear in front of you like that? Like, they were just looking down at the ground the whole time. <laughs> Wait a minute. Look. Uh, oh, 
Uh, yeah. But then they get on down the road. That's a good song. The Scarecrow get song was like, oh, cool. Michael Jackson, he's here. Uh, he's he's a magnetic perf- performer. And then the first thing that he has to do is just be still on this like thing as a scarecrow. He's a scarecrow, but it's like, man, get him, get him dancing early. Get, you gotta it, get, get him. You gotta get down him down from there. You gotta get him dancing quick and early. Like, cause any anytime after that, I was glued to this glued to his performance on screen, even if it was just walking around. Like, did, I mean, did you notice all of his scarecrowisms? I thought that it was just amazing because mm. it was kind of random and chaotic in some ways like it wasn't predictable exactly what he would do he kind of had this bow-legged sort of hop skip and jump but then every every now and then he would just eat shit and like fall and then do like a a topple and jump back up and then like and he would always be kind of like slipping and uncoordinated and and clumsy but then like when he had to do a a dance or, or whatever with like a group of people it was always so quick on on it and on top of it and he would actually add little flourishes in between as a scarecrow um but yeah all, the, all that gotta get gotta get him dancing and the diana ross is a goofy dancer too i i, I love i it's love totally I love, a goofy dancer. i love her physicality like yeah because she really like um like feels in throws it in there and like really like makes it snap and like has all this like yeah, yeah. and yeah she, it's really time she'll just throw her hands up and start spinning around and her and mm-hmm very expressive eyes and she dances with her face, which is great too. In a musical where you can see the expression in the back row. Yeah. I, so much so that I heard that, uh, Sydney Lamette, the director who, what a go that guy is, uh, so many director, uh, uh, awards but yeah she was so expressive that he didn't even have to turn the camera on in order for her uh, <laughs> image to be put onto the uh reel <laughs> oh i was i was yeah. laughing already <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so um i oh speaking of so sydney lament now that i mentioned it is like yeah so that's i it's just it's kind of crazy to me that this um movie is so Uh, uninteresting in its direction for a guy who um, is a well-known director. I guess like 12 Angry Men isn't necessarily something that's got a lot of kinetic directing to it. It is a lot of just, you know, putting the camera on people when they're talking in a way that just makes sense and pretty, but I don't know, I guess, do you have any opinions about like, I guess the directing in 12 Angry Men doesn't like totally stand out to me, but it's not to say that he hasn't done other movies that are like, yeah, really good movies. Um, You know, cause you also have dog day afternoon uh, network all like you know movie so 12 angry men 57 really then yeah it's crazy that um yeah i don't know that they picked him though i guess is is something i would say about that it's like that they landed on him i know that you were showing a little bit about potentially baron samity the um guy who plays him doing being the director right was possibly that that, yeah i was just watching that yeah. video for the first time with you before this mm-hmm. kind of looking at some behind the scenes stuff and looks like he had uh a big part in the musical as well and and what uh creatively the creative process and creating everything in line with um the stage play and then they went in a different direction and did their thing and then at the last minute right when the movie was about to come out they reached out to Baron Samity again 
the guy who played Baron Samity from Live and Let Die, a movie that we both love. Um, love it, love it, love and, it. Black exploitation as well. Yeah, and uh, and they reached out to him to try and fix whatever they felt was was wrong with the movie, which is mm. kind of kind of telling. And it's I don't know. None of these movies really. It's really hard to compare them with The Wiz because they're so vastly mm. different. And I mean, for you to be able to direct a movie that all takes place within within one room and have it be entertaining and and keep the pace and momentum that that speaks that you are a really great director um but yeah i i i mean to be honest i haven't seen dog day afternoon or serpico and uh these are yeah my 70s blind spot i feel like some i know we've talked about it because i yeah i'm aware of these films but i haven't seen them either Mm-hmm. You know, that again, I, yeah, I feel like this is another, um, you know, this being brought up again is another reason why maybe we should, yeah, really get into a seventies. Yeah. Even just as like a 70s little thing for me and you as like series. a little mini series of just like classics. Cause I even picked up a, a little wannabe film nerd myself. I picked up Tarantino's book and a lot of it is about 70s cinema and the movies that he grew up watching. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to use that as kind of like a, guide piece to watching some of those movies and he has a chapter on each one and then kind of read a chapter watch a movie sounded kind of fun to me so i might be doing that um and yeah. watching mahogany was was cool and then we even before mm-hmm. that we did uh was it lady sings the blues which mm-hmm. i mean to even just to just to speak to that again i think we we talked to about it last episode but diana ross's performance as billy holiday was legendary and um, mm-hmm. yeah such a good performance but should we just talk about the Tin Man and the Lion Man? And, and I wouldn't wi- mention that the this screenplay is by Joel Schumacher, I think. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> that's an interesting little factoid because that guy's an insane person. Yes. I put in our g- general chat a picture of Joel Schumacher. He looks like a, He's a legend. Uh, yeah, he looks like a plastic person. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, he total legend for being. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a guy who's done a lot of cocaine in his life and has made some crazy movies um i mean yeah. batman robin is one of my favorite movies <laughs> we we did a <laughs> phantom of the opera on this this year podcast so it's uh mm-hmm. he was he, he was involved in so maybe yeah. maybe that's why he was in charge of phantom of the opera was was his involvement with with this movie and in musicals and everything and there's something about batman and robin where it does feel like you're watching like a stunt spectacular <laughs> yeah uh-huh. or like on stage or something like that so i don't yeah it's 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 an interesting time for movies and something that maybe us were like, I, yeah, like we're just saying we're not as familiar with. However, yeah, it's it's based on a timeless movie. And so you're inevitably going to draw comparisons to the original, which you can't beat. But to do a, your own version of, I would hope that like there's some some tenants and some some things within the music that I could uh, hang my hat on and remember like a song besides just he's on get on down get on down the road like that was that's just like the the one that i that i remember um and that's unfortunate for s- such a strong music driven movie on a on a base level visually it's upsetting and uh this tin man's song i thought was just like unsettling yeah and his whole his whole way of being i don't know if it's like a what kind of affectation he's trying to draw on like a, it was like a bing crosby or something like that like mm-hmm. uh He's just enunciating everything and just really slow and enunciating every, every word, like a crooner, 
sort of sort of song and uh not not my favorite not my favorite no. I was, oh, my I was uns- unsettled. And then the the lion was just a, the, where I think I had to stop my first half of viewing where I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't go anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It, he was like doing that licking thing too. When he like later, I don't know, maybe that was later on, but he was like, he was doing a lot of like actual cat stuff. He was doing like a lot of licking and, mm. and sn- mm. like little snarls and stuff. I guess, I guess it's fine. Um, And then I don't know. The Wiz, the, the, there's the big Zardoz kind of head, uh, and uh, Emerald City. Anything to say about the three color songs in, in uh, Emerald City? Everything still felt blue. I know it was green, but I was like, how does it still like feel like blue and dark? This is dark, like, like so dark, yeah, and big, yeah, open dark spaces. It was, yeah, the whole situation was so fucking bizarre because instead of getting there and my, my recollection of of the original, I'm sure is not, it's pretty foggy, but like, you know, you get there and it's like a city. (laughs) It's all like the ladies coming. Yeah. Sorry. That's before. That's before. Yeah. The poppies, poppy girls, the prostitutes. Uh, Um, Cause that's, that's how, when they are getting in the original, it's like the, it's like Mm -hmm. the flowers and shit. Yeah. Oh, right opium um but yeah so my so like the emerald city is like a place where all of the like elitists are you know it's all the people that are well taken care of and then you know this movie does that as well where like where we met the scarecrow is in this like abandoned building that stands alone by itself run down he's being uh hassled by uh, crows uh the tin man and the cowardly lion are met in this abandoned amusement park so all of these analogs to the original where they're these uh like deprecated dilapidated uh like city analogs to what they were in the original which like were the lions like away. turned into a little statue thing like a gargoyle mm-hmm. lion thing yeah mm-hmm. banished from the jungle um the tin man's like yeah. a, a carny old carny broken down a, at, at like uh-huh. coney, coney yeah. island uh roller he's coaster had he's got the uh his little cane and stuff like just, that and then that set too is just like there's like some scant little patches of little things they just threw on the ground and it's just like trash everything is just trash it's a lot of trash and scarecrow scarecrow is made of trash i know right and there's some really gruesome stuff towards the end here where we get to the like factory that the um the, 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 wicked, the wicked witch, witch the, yeah yeah is that is like really fucking crazy that song like this scene terrifying to children yeah oh yeah if i saw this as a kid i'd have fucking nightmares for sure nightmare nightmare fuel in this where yeah yeah what is it it's like scarecrow or the tin man is just getting disembodied no the tin man gets pressed Mm -hmm. and then gets completely flattened see that scarecrow's getting disemboweled yeah oh god some really fucking wild ass shit in here but yeah so the emerald city and then richard Pryor um as the wizard of oz i just i you know this it's one of those things where it's not a good sign for me when i we get to the emerald city and i look at the time i stop the movie and go like hold wait a minute we just fucking got to because i know the story where it's we meet the wizard the first time and he's behind the curtain then they have to go out to the the wicked witch come back Mm -hmm. and then have that whole whole revelation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. after they and i'm like we are just now getting to the emerald city to talk to the the fake dude 
and it's like an and hour all the, all the songs 15, last hour long. 20 in, instead of like into it. getting to emerald city you get one song you get three different ones about oh no now red's a color red's a color we wear now and whatever how it goes oh gold's a color um i i am in the same boat and then you, you get you get back and you see richard Pryor and uh it's by that point i i i'm so drained the the wicked witch scene really really drained me because yeah it was just screaming the whole time well, i uh, don't want any bad news and it was just like ah don't uh, yeah scream the end of it you're like I'm not going to tell you bad news. I, okay. Yeah, I've been beaten over the head by this song being saying over and over and over. And it's so long and it's just, and it's a bunch of factory sounds and screaming. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so gothic and dark and scary. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Okay. It, it should be oppressive to a degree, but it's just, it's so funny how this movie fails to have fun at, at its right. like core and fundamental level mm-hmm. it tries so hard to think it is way smarter than it is by creating all of these like allegories or these uh you know these metaphors out of what it what the the this version's like settings are but my god it is just so oppressive and the songs like you said like from motown none of these are like pop songs where it's like a supreme song where you're like oh yeah this has mm-hmm. got a you know it's got a hook it's a jam you know none of that really exists in this movie mm-hmm. and it just is so crazy that all again all of these things on paper should be good and it just comes out like this where it's yeah it's um yeah quite the quite the slog like i said at the top yeah, the same way the songs don't have a hook, like the scenes themselves don't really in the in the movie itself and it doesn't have a hook and it is designed for stage. Like all the sets are designed for stage where it'd be fine if you had a couple scant little patches of thing and you're wa- you're sitting in this in in the seats and you're and you're watching and you're just focused on the person singing and they're doing they're they're doing a fine job singing, they're doing to the back row and it's I, I can picture seeing the whiz in broad on Broadway and having a good time. And the way that it is done here is grading and almost like forcing you to just sit there and listen to someone just yell and scream for, for five minutes and then get flushed down a toilet. Like it was yeah. nothing. And then just move Like things would just move on in a way to the next portion of the movie in a in a way that was like assuming you that you knew the story of the first one and kind of in a very unsatisfied way like okay you get it she's it's water blah 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 we'll move on rather than like oh you could have done maybe a fresh take or made it interesting you're just kind of making letting the audience assume and then making these songs way too long as well i know it's a long it's a pretty fucking long movie like over two hours um and then uh she gets she gets back to the whiz they they do that whole thing of like oh it's in you the whole time like the the scarecrow michael jackson pulling out those little fortune cookie things was kind of fun and i like that part at the end where uh she's like well who said that i did (laughs) uh that was that was kind of cute i i like that Um, yeah it's it is rewarding to have gone through this journey especially this one that seemed that was just so like, Ooh, I feel like I'm walking in cement and I want to get through this. And, um, to get to the point of like, 
oh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna realize all of these wonderful things that we had inside of us. And I yeah, but then that gets fucking <laughs> cut in my mind and goes right into this whole like the Wizard of Oz is this politician from Atlantic City, oh, and then yeah. you have to deal with all of yeah, that. Yeah, then I was like, and- I ran for dog catcher or whatever, and, <laughs> and was dropping all the papers down below. Yeah, all that shit. Oh, God. That whole monologue, it, his voice was so high the whole time. I was like, why, why is he doing this <laughs> thing? Like, I, don't know, just, I was waiting for it to drop back down into like a normal register, but he's just doing that like high, high voice the whole time. Um, but I think this is the last little song of hers. Because you've had them all along, Scarecrow. You figured out how to find a yellow brick road and, and destroy Evelyn and every we smart could be on our way because nothing really happens after this. No. Yes. But. And Lion. Because it's a reprise. You didn't even give up when Evelyn strung you up by your tail. I was going to fast forward it a little bit. It's yours. It's snooze. Believe you can make time stand still. You know from the moment you try, if you believe, I know you will. If you believe in yourself, if you believe. There's this, there's the part, I think you, I don't know if you, you saw, but the, I don't know, the very end, she just stares at the camera the whole time and it starts like that in that slow Mm -hmm. sort of way, but it just builds and builds. And I just feel like her eyes and her motion just gets more and more intense over three minutes. And that I'm just in my seat, just like, Oh my God, her head's going to explode. <laughs> She's just like, <laughs> and it just keeps getting louder. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Uh, and then all the, all these like visions of the lion and the Tin man come floating behind her, like pictures of their head, floating pictures of their head. And that's their way of like getting like, like yeah remember your your friends along the way rather than her waking up in the bed and being like dorothy are you okay dorothy dorothy and oh you were in my dream and you and you none of that it doesn't have to be but this one the what they chose to do was just shoot flo- floating heads by her as she's <laughs> yeah. like screaming into the camera <laughs> and they're like all floating heads like this is fucking and then Gl- glinda's song oh my god her eyes are i don't know I, I I assume cocaine was involved in this movie in some way, but she she looks like she's like really happy to be there. That's all I'll say. I don't know how mm-hmm. else to say it, but vibrating. Uh, yeah, like her her energy is just vibrating, man. Um, but let's let's uh, see some reviews from some uh, some critics and see what they have to say about it. Um, it's a forty one percent by the critics. On the old Rotten Tomatoes, let's uh, check out some little tidbits. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's go to Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> David Barber, Barbour, whatever fun this is, he, he gives it a 16. Precise. 
David. Whatever fun this funked up Wizard of Oz had on Broadway is erased by miscasting and a hideous design. Oz as a New York slum. Yeah. Uh, TV Guide Magazine 25. Uh, staff not credited. Well, whatever. Sydney Lumet's overblown direction strips the story of its magic. Ross is too old for the part and never quite captures Dorothy's innocence. And Pryor is wasted in a film ill-suited to his talents. The New Yorker, Pauline Kale. Kale. 40. This film brings out all the weaknesses of its director, Sidney Lumet, and none of his strengths. The whole production has a stagnant <laughs> atmosphere, and the big dance numbers are freeform traffic jams. Ooh. Bam. Got uh, Time. Put him in a body bag. John Scow. 50. So much wit and talent and energy crowd the scene, the screen in this lavishly filmed variant of the Oz story that it is depressing to realize that the production never had a chance. And that's what our critics have to say about that. Uh, let's move on over into audience territory and, and check out their, uh, their side of things here. Um, they gave it a 65. Let's check out some... <laughs> Um, let me pull these, pull these up here. Give me one moment. Sorry, folks. Vamp, vamp. Oh my God. Is it who I think it is? We have a Blarget entering into the polarized zone. Into the polar kingdom. All right. Well, he gets to... He gets to witness the end of our whiz re whiz reviews. Uh, let's we're whizzing in here. Large. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a five star from a Ron tomato uh, person. Uh, it's a really good movie and totally iconic. Everyone remembers scenes they saw once as a child. The performances by the entire cast are wonderful. If you dislike it, you're just being stuck up. Yeah, that's me. Uh, well, excuse me while I go get the stick out of my ass. Um, this is another rotten tomato anonymous user. Five stars. If you don't like this movie, you're anti-black. Just kidding. But being from the Generation Z, this is the only whiz I acknowledge. The cast is amazing. The sets were beautiful. The soundtrack made me cry. I watch this movie at least every four months because this is my Whoa. favorite movie of all time. Hello. Uh, another Rotten Tomatoes user, five stars. This movie way better than the original Wizard of Oz, which will put you to sleep. Impressive for 1978. Relatable stories of life's pitfalls and songs to get you out of them. Great kids movie. Kids movie. Not Lo true. Not true. The opposite. The Lo opposite. Lots of symbolism to update for the modern audience. Very on the nose with it. Could cut 30 minutes and would be better for it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. But you left it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Can you imagine right. your favorite movie? You're like, yeah, it doesn't need 30 minutes of it. That's it doesn't so need fun. 30 minutes of it. Yeah. Um, oh, five stars. This movie is an, an amazing art piece. Truly underrated. It's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. That is category. Five stars. Amazing. What a wonderful tribute to Black Lives Matter. Huh. Okay. All right. Well, I, we know when that was written. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. One of my favorite childhood movies. One of the greatest in black cinema history. These are some of the, some of the things people are saying. Uh, five stars. This movie has both Diana Ross and Michael Jackson. 
And the music is written by Quincy Jones. It's a trifecta of musical genius and a must-see for my family. For my family. The plot is based off of Wizard of Oz, so it will likely be familiar to most audiences. But for me, the music is what makes this version more exciting than the original. It has some subtle jokes, but maintains a dramatic feel throughout. I think it's great musical and worth seeing. Hopefully you'll agree. I do not. And this is probably a good time to move into our review. Should I kick it off? Actually, I need to go get something at the door, but I don't know. I guess if you want to kick it off, you can. Or if you want yeah, to just pause you don't it. Need, yeah, I can just start talking. Okay. Brandon will be back. I'll give him the final score. Corey's somewhat here. Um, but yeah, I did. I was not a fan of this movie. Uh, it was a drain of my energy and life force in many ways when I was looking forward to watching a, a fun musical. It ended up being two hours and 13 minutes of uh, kind of a, a slog. And the things that I did really enjoy, I was really stretching to, f- to find the reasons to. Um, and primarily that being what got me in the door, which was the cast of Diana Ross and Michael Jackson. Um, and they have unarguably unar- have a whole, a bunch of fucking talent, both of those people. So they're going to shine through no matter what you put them in. Um, but this was hard for, even for them to make their mark on and have it be uh, successful because the songwriting wasn't, wasn't there and there was no hooks for me to, uh, remember and find catchy, uh, apart from the get on down the road song. And it's, uh, it was, a, it was a drag visually because it was so fucking dark. And, uh, for the original movie to be revolving around its use of color in many ways, this one really messed up something so simple as just color. And I couldn't see certain things that were going on. I couldn't hear others. And it was uh, unfortunate that they took something that had so much potential and didn't make full use of it. And I think that's what makes it even more upsetting. If there was a movie that, uh, that was going to be crap to begin with, then I'd be more maybe forgiving to some of the things that they did well, but for them to not really find many things to do well with so much good stuff going on there is, uh, is a real bummer. I'm curious to see if the, if the musical is a, is a thing that I could see on stage. I would be interested in that, but beyond that, it's going to be a do not recommend uh it'll be close to the rotten side of things uh i'm going to go with uh, brandon's not back yet but i'm just going to go ahead and share my score it's going to be it's going to be a 30 i think a 30 25 to 30 i'll just mm, i'll do 28 i'll do 28 it's going to be 28 for me. Um, while he is gone, I'm wondering if 
yeah, we haven't listened to Ease On Down the Road, so let's check that, check that one out real quick. home so we can start the other thing um so the whiz uh my final thoughts on this is that i think it was an enormous uh, misstep to uh visually to have this movie be set in this dystopian uh new york city i know that it probably seems like a really like deep and insightful thing to do but it makes the movie seem so drab hard to see at times and really really unfun um again like we were just uh riffing on is that or just talking i don't know whatever um the songs in this are so are surprisingly yeah are shockingly uh boring and not and uh, yeah just not memorable and that is um really really sad you have michael jackson and diana ross in your movie and none of these songs i like uh, almost every other musical we've done i have listened to a song from it after the fact there are no no songs like and then not even that like just even like the the chorus or the hook is in my head coming out of it for some of these songs and none of these songs do that for it's me. It's so weird. It's, just, it's so bizarre. And the, and the, yeah, it just is uh, makes for this movie being um, overall very long and unfun. Um, I'm going to give this movie a, I'm going to give this movie a 16%. Yeah. That's me. And that's the whiz. And that's polarized. That's uh, that's, that's polarized. That's, that's one it's where we like, yeah, we, we were, we delayed our recording of this podcast as well a couple of <laughs> times. Cause even to the point where we're like, man, we're almost kind of just like dreading going through this. But, uh, uh-huh. I think as I've said in the past, it is cathartic to, to go through it and to know that, uh, I'm not alone. Whereas like, man, yeah, I should like this more than I, than how I'm feeling. And then just instead of being, yeah, super, I was pretty upset, but also like unsettled and tired and bored a lot during this and, uh, don't recommend. And, uh, that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Uh, I think I hope I pray. I've seen this movie once before our next movie that we're, that we're doing. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Brandini checking it out. (laughs) It is the last dragon. Uh, our last little Barry Gordy adjacent, uh, film that we will be uh, discussing. Let me pull up those numbies for all of you uh, fine people before we send you on your way. Uh, It is a 59% from critics, an 86% from audience. Uh, And I'll read the the little description here on Rotten Tomatoes. Leroy Green, a young martial artist living in New York City, trains tirelessly to attain the same level of mastery as the great Bruce Lee. One night, his life changes forever when he rescues television personality Laurel Tra- Laura Charles from evil businessman Eddie Arcadian. Impress- impressed by Leroy's bravery, Laura falls for Leroy, but to keep her safe, he will have to defeat a gang leader named Shonuff, the self-styled shogun of Harlem. Fuck yeah, so dude. <laughs> this movie that sounds sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
we'll uh, we'll be doing this one next week. If you want to reach us in the meantime, uh, Polarized Pod, uh, www.twitch.tv slash Polarized Pod. If you want to watch us live, twitter.com, same place, Polarized Pod. If you want to send us an email, polarizedthepod at gmail.com. Any movie ideas, segment ideas, fan mail, hate mail, uh, and uh, rate, review, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts. We love you all, and uh, we'll see you next time for The Last Dragon. Bye-bye. Bye.